as we open today's uh, message, um, I want to show you a video. Uh, you know, my son plays tennis at Cedar Hill High School, and he's, he's a rock star. And so we, we were filming uh, yesterday one of the greatest shots he's ever made. And so we want to show it to you for just a moment. Go ahead and play that for him. <laughs> Yeah, wasn't that amazing? Did you see that? We're talking about stability today. <laughs> Last week we started into just a little small two-part series called The Balance. And we, uh, we, if you weren't here, we used the, the awesome balance beam and how we need to, to walk in life and be balanced and, and, uh, and how the enemy is constantly trying to stress us out. Come on, somebody. Trying to wear us out, trying to worry us out, and ultimately try to burn us out. And so what we're trying to do is become Christians that actually have a balanced life, that actually are stable and that when the winds and the waves come, and we quoted James last week about a double-minded man's unstable in all his ways. And we talked about how we're up and down. And I kind of want to, sh- let me show you this little graph. This is kind of what some of our Christian walk has looked like in the past. And I don't know, those of you that invest money, you would never invest money in a stock like that. And I'll tell you why you would never, because although it has its highs, it also has its lows. And you can't depend on it. You don't know if it's going to be high or low, because it's always up and down. And I'll tell you, in all these 20 five, seven years of ministry that I've been in, I have met so many Christians that this is what their Christian walk looks like. I mean, they get saved when they're a young adult, man, and they're at a high, hallelujah, and they're dating a girl they think they're going to marry, and they break up, and they crash down, and, and God's not real, and Satan is Lord, and then, you know, you're like, how in the world, you know, what was happening? You used to come, you were, you were, one, of our, you were one of our pastors, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, they get to working with a friend who's a Christian, and so they come up a little bit. And they're like, yeah, all right, God's not, he's really there. I'm not an atheist anymore. And, and then, but then, you know, their car breaks down. And so they're cursing God on the side of the road. And then all of a sudden they come to church on the hill and Pastor Adam's preaching so good. And they're like, oh my God, I got to get right with the Lord. And they run down and they spike. And man, it's so exciting. The spirit of the Lord's here and they just love God. And man, then their mom calls and says she's got cancer. And I knew God wasn't there. And they crash all the way down. And they live their whole life like that. Well, what I'd like to do is develop Christians who actually um, look a little bit more like this. And that even though we have low times, that there's always an upward trend in our life. I'd like to see Christians that no matter what happens in this world, still stay the course. They're stable. You can't knock them down. You can't pull, uproot them. You can't push them this way and that. And that's what that passage in James that we quote, quoted last week was talking about. Pushed every which way by winds and waves. And, and James says you're double-minded and you need to learn to become stable and that's what we're working on. Last week, we talked about the areas that cause us to be unstable. We talked about when we overdo it, when we put too much in the bucket or in the wheelbarrow, and we're trying to, and before you know it, we're carrying this person's burden, and we're carrying this person's burden, and we're on Facebook being mad about so-and-so who did such-and-such to somebody, and now Angela, you know, Angela Jolie is breaking up with Brad, and now I don't know what I'm going to do with my life, and how dare him cheat on her like that, and you're carrying all this stupid stuff, and you don't even realize, and you got all this 
junk going and you don't even realize you are becoming unstable. And today we want to move into how to stabilize. I actually want to teach you how to become a stable Christian. How many of you would like to be a stable Christian? How many of you would like that your grandkids say, she was the greatest woman of God I ever knew? Some of the most stable people in my life have never touched the mic, have never stood in front of the people. They were those men and women in our church who no, no matter what happened, when cancer came, they stood for the Lord. When, when family members died tragically, they stood for the Lord. When the pastor abused them and misused them, they stood stable for the Lord. And friend, that's what I want to turn you into. That's what I want to be. Because I want you to know, if you don't think the world in which we live in is not starting to wrap itself up and starting to implode, you have lost your mind. Jesus said this about the last days. He said in the last days there will be many false prophets, many false teachers, and they will deceive even the elect. Even the smartest of the smart. And the reason why is because they don't have stability in their walk. So as we jump in today, I've got a key verse. I want you to look at this. And this will give us a little bit of hope, especially those of us that have been in this thing a long time and can't figure out why we're still a little bit unstable. Look at Isaiah 40 and verse 30 and 31. It says, even the youthesses, even the youth grow tired and weary. It actually translated youths. Even the youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those, everybody say me. me. Say, but me. me. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Somebody say amen. Amen. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. See, we're going to raise up as men and women who cannot be pushed all around, whose Christian walk doesn't look like that. And when we chart it back from 10 years from now, from this moment, 10 years ahead, it'll look like a constant growth. We may have dips. We may have difficulties. We may have things stolen from us, but we'll we'll regain it. And God will just keep moving us forward as we put our trust and our faith in him. So let's start developing a little bit of balance. Now, I believe that some of you, like, uh, you know, you grew up as the kid who couldn't walk and chew gum at the same time. You just, you just, you're that person, you know, you're, you know, you're 5'2 with a size 15 inch shoe, you know, so, I mean, 15, you know, foot shoe, I, I get that, you know, and then some of you, you know, uh, you've been that person, you're an emotional roller coaster no matter what's going on in life, and you're always loving drama and that kind of thing, but I want to teach you how to be balanced, and I believe that you can develop balance. Some people are just stable people anyway. I've got a close friend named Ken Carson, he's our cell pastor, he's a phenomenal man of God, nothing rattles him. Yep, you know, one time he was pushing his daughter in a swing, and she hit her face on the side of the swing and, and cracked her face all, all open, knocked all her teeth out. He's like, I guess we need to go to the doctor. Let's go, you know. And uh, he just, he st- he just, just stable. Nothing really shakes him. Part of that's his personality, but at the same time, he's learned to develop stability in his life. I want to teach us all how to be stable today. So let's look at some of the things that I see in Scripture that will stabilize us. Are you still there? Say yes. Come on, you can do better than that. Do you love the Lord? Say yes. All right, so when we're talking about developing balance, the first thing that you need to learn to do is pull aside with the Lord. Write that down. You need to learn to pull aside with the Lord. If the only time you get with God is when you're in church, this is a celebration. This is not intimacy with the Lord. This is, not, this is not intimacy. This is not pulling aside. We see that Jesus constantly was pulling aside with the Lord. Look at uh, Mark chapter 1 and verse 35. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. You know what? Jesus 
learned that even though he's the Messiah, even though the Lord is speaking to him day in and day out, there is so many things happening. There's so many stressful things happening. Can you imagine every time you walk down the street, people are asking you to pray for them to be healed? Can you imagine every time you walk in the door of a house or 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 a temple or something, they're asking you for wisdom and guidance? I mean, they're bombarding you. You never have a moment. You say, yeah, I can. I got I got three kids under seven. I can tell you what that's like. That's true. But Jesus had 12 that might as well have been under seven. Because they were about the same maturity as a toddler. And Jesus took not only these 12 and he cared for them, but he ministered everywhere he went. Are you with me? Say yes. And so as a result, Jesus understood, I've got to pull away and be with the Lord. And I would challenge you as a man or woman of God, if you really want to be stable, learn to pull away. Learn to, to, to get along with the Lord. You say, oh, it's so hard. Listen, Jesus understands how hard it is. He has to get up at 3, 4 in the morning and step over these knotheads not to wake them up. They're like, Jesus, where are you going? And go back to sleep. It's just so he can go be with the Lord. And so, friend, listen to me. Whatever it takes, you want to stabilize, get with the Lord. Because when you're with the Lord and he whispers in my ear, see, when I'm with the Lord and he tells me, Adam, I got you, it brings stability. When you tell me, Adam, you're awesome, you're great, that brings pride that I got to fight off. But when God says it, the creator of me and you, When the creator says, it's going to be okay, I got this for you. When you get that from spending that moment, that time with him, something stabilizes in your life. It just puts those feet down into the the dirt and say, come on, devil, because daddy already said it's going to be all right. So no matter what you bring, I'm okay. No matter what happens, I'm all right because God's in in charge. And I know that because I've been spending time with him. See, friend, listen to me. The Bible is very clear that we're supposed to Sabbath. And there's all this argument, is the Sabbath on Saturday, is it on Sunday? Listen, I tell you very clearly, it's called the law of first mention, and that is any kind of theology or thing that you believe in Scripture. Go back to the first mention of it, and you find it typically in its truest form. And what we find in, in the book of Genesis is that God created for six days, and on the seventh day, he Sabbath or he rested. And we find four principles. This is a whole other teaching, but you can grab it now and run with it. We find four principles that he did. The first thing he did was stop. He stopped what he was doing. Some of you never turn off the TV, never turn off the cell phone, never turn off the laptop, never turn off the social media. You never stop. And so you can't call yourself being with the Lord because really you're with the Lord until you get interrupted by somebody else. And so what you got to learn to do is break away. Come on, I'm helping somebody here today. And, and listen, if you'll break away, sir, if you'd break away, you'd stop having fits of rage with your children. I'm telling you. Ma'am, if you would break away, you would stop being so insecure that when you walk in a room, you think everybody doesn't love you. If you just get away with the Lord. See, only God can do the things that need to be done inside of you. Your preaching can't do it. Songs can't do it. Songs and preaching only validate what God's already doing inside of us. That's why there's a moment where we go, this is, this is awesome. When some of you walked in and said, this is home. Why? Because God was already doing something in you. And then he brought you in where the things that he was doing in us were on the same page. And you went, ah. I found it. This is it. I'm in line with where, what God is doing. And that's what's supposed to happen with preaching, prophecy. No one should ever prophesy to you and give you the direction of your life. God speaks to you and gives you the direction of your life. And prophecy simply confirms what you already know in your heart. That's why people get so confused. Like, well, he said I was going to have a girl, but it was a boy. I don't know. God must not be real. Listen, he's just a man. Just a man. I love him. God bless him. And he does hear from God, but he missed that one. I'm going to miss it. Sometimes you're going to be like, man, Pastor, that was a good message. Man, Pastor, you could do better. I mean, there are going to be those days. And I'm all right with that. 
I'm all right. I just want to get on base. I don't have to hit a home run every time. I just want to get you closer to Jesus. That's all I'm living for. And so if you will wake up every day and say, Lord, I want to carve out something somewhere. Some of you just need to sit at your car at lunch and just say, you know, hey, guys, y'all go ahead. Y'all, y'all go on ahead and do McDonald's. I'm going to just sit out here in my truck, run the air conditioning. I'm going to just be with the Lord for a little bit. And we ought to walk by your truck and you got your hands lift, lifted. And you're praying a little bit of worship music and you're saying, God, you're good. God, you're good. I love you, Daddy. Man, thank you so much. You ought to be sitting there studying the Word of God and just having these moments you and God the Father. Here's the second piece, and it goes along with my first one, and that is you need to learn to love the Bible. Everybody say, love the Bible. No, say it out loud. Say, love the Bible. Turn to the person next to you. Say, love the Bible. Yeah, say it like you're mad at them or something. Say, love the Bible. Yeah, there you go. That's even better. The reason why I use that verbiage instead of read the Bible is because you can read stuff out of religious duty and never love it, right? How many loveless marriages do we have? See, what we need to learn to do is love his word. And so every day I wake up and say, Lord, I love your word. I love your word. I love your word. Sometimes it's by faith. Yeah, like when I'm reading numbers. Oh, Lord, I love your word. I love your word. I love your word. Or if I'm reading Revelation, Lord, I don't even understand your word. But I love it. I'm just praying the blood moons don't happen while I'm standing there. I'm just saying. And those Apache helicopter thingies, whatever they really are. I don't want the, spe- the, the stinger of the wasp thingy getting me, Lord. I mean, you know, so you, so you and I literally have to learn to love the Word. Because you know why? Because the Word is what stabilizes ultimately. When Jesus in his roughest moments, when Satan is tempting him out in the wilderness, what does he do? He quotes the Word. It's a stabilizing factor. See, when you and I are with God the Father, it stabilizes us. Then when we're when with His Word, and His Word is coming in us, and, and, we're, and we're, we're devouring it, and as a result of eating it, we're now, we're now taking it and processing it into our spiritual body, then all of a sudden we have strength and stamina to stand when all the wind and the waves. And so when the enemy says, he doesn't love you, you screwed up too bad, you're done. You say, whoa, 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 that's not what the Bible says. The Word of God says that He'll never leave me or forsake me. Where God says, all I have to do is repent, and God will cleanse me and forgive me of all unrighteousness and confess my sin, and I'll do that. And you'll not own me here. You'll not dominate me here. You'll not. The Lord says this, and you start quoting the Word of God. And what happens, it brings life. Why do you think everybody loves Joyce Meyer so much? You love her so much because the bottom line is she teaches you the Word. And so you want her to tell you what the Word says. But what you need to do is learn the Word yourself. Seriously, because all we as ministers are supposed to do is to equip you so that you can do what God's called you to do, to do the work of the ministry. We're not supposed to be the word giver to you. He already gave you the word. Come on, I'm making a good plea for you and I loving the word. Come on, somebody. You say, oh, I just just don't really enjoy it. Get the Bible on your phone, Bible app. Here's the beauty of it. You say, I don't even read that. Well, guess what? It'll read it to you. (laughs) It's amazing. You say, man, I, 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 listen, you, you will blow your mind if you'll just play the Bible out, listen to the Word of God every morning on the way to work for 30 minutes. You'll stop cussing people, I promise you. You'll stop cussing people while you're driving to work. You'll be looking at them like, oh, hallelujah, yeah. Psalm says, I will bring a joyful noise into the house of the Lord. <laughs> looking at you like, what's wrong with you? I got the Word of God, man. It's awesome. Seriously. Instead of working out and you're listening to Led Zeppelin, la, 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 sha, la, la, la. you know, man, the word of the, and the Lord came to Simon and he said unto him, Simon, <laughs> get the word of God, start getting it down in you. It's amazing how st- stable you'll be and you won't be pushed around. You know, I, I had the privilege of serving a sweet little lady not, named Frida Lindsay. We called her Mom Lindsay. She's a magnificent, 
and she's a co-founder of Christ for the Nations. Christ for the Nations Bible School right up there in Oak Cliff has changed the world. I mean, you can find there are 50 different uh, colleges, co- uh, Christ for the Nation universities around the world. No matter where I'm at, I, no matter where I'm at, they may not even know Bishop Jakes. They may not know, uh, uh, you know, Joel Osteen, but they'll know. I, 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 was, I was in the middle of nowhere, Asia one time. And they're like, oh, Christ for the Nation, save my life. I'm like... How do you know Christ in the nation? It's amazing what God used those little sweet people to do. And I want you to know something. When I took over the Bible school years ago, um, Mom Lindsay was about 88, 87, 88 years, somewhere in that range at that time. She came up to me. She said, son, I want to ask you something. Now that you're in charge, have you ever met anyone backslidden who reads the Bible every day? I said, no, I don't think I have. Well, then won't you teach them to read the Bible? That's all you got to do. And she walked off. (laughs) I said, no. There you go. <laughs> this is an easy job. And it's a lot harder than I thought. And, uh, and you know what? She read the Bible three chapters a day and five on Sunday. And as a result, she could read through. By doing that, you'll read through the whole Bible in a year. Three chapters a day, five on Sunday. Do you know she read through the Bible 71 times? 71 years straight, she read through the Bible. So when you came to Mom Lindsay and said, guess what? I saw gold dust falling from heaven. And I know that the prophet wants us to collect the gold dust and spread it out. She goes, no, that's not what the Bible says. And she just said it. She couldn't, she couldn't be confused. She couldn't be swayed. She couldn't be knocked down. When they told her, we're going to take the, the buildings away from you because you can't pay for it. She said, nope, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. And she would stand on the word and it would just happen. She would go to all those old buildings they got. That's because she would walk up to people and say, hey, you need to give me that building. And they'd be like, okay, we're going to give you the building. And so I, know, I don't know why. It was the word of the Lord. Because she knew God's word. Turn to the person next to you and say, I love the Bible. Here's a third way that you can develop stability in your life, to get balance in your walk. Number three, always forgiving. Always forgiving. Not once in a blue moon, not just with the big dogs that hurt your heart the deepest, always forgiving. I'm always forgiving. Every time I'm at Walmart, I'm always forgiving. If I ever have to drive up 635, I'm always forgiving. If I get on social media, I'm always forgiving. If I watch Fox News, I have to repent after about an hour and a half because I want to murder everybody. Everybody's Everybody's the Antichrist. I mean, it's just, I have to forget. It's amazing. And so it's amazing if you and I will learn that it will stabilize us. I want you to know the enemy is always trying to get you unstable. So we talked about this last week. We created our, our little beam here, right? And we talked about and how when we walk across this, and this is kind of like our life, that God has a plan and a purpose for us. And so as we begin walking, the enemy is always trying to throw things at us and trying to get us to fall off. But if we're rooted and grounded in the Word, if we're rooted and grounded in forgiveness, then no matter how much unforgiveness he... Did you hear what she did? Do you see what she said about you? He said, oh, I just love her. I just love her in Jesus' name. They can't even hit me. Because Because I'm always forgiving. Can I tell you something? Some of you, I love you with all my heart. I love you so much. And I was you. My grandmother was the bitterness, meanest little old lady in the world because my grandfather left her for another woman with, with three kids, abandoned her. And she was a good Sunday school teacher at the Baptist church. And she left there after he did that. And she said, no one will ever hurt me again. 
And she took her little kids down into the hood, worked three jobs, did, and would nobody, she wouldn't let anybody help her because of the bitterness. And I told you this before. She, man, by the time I came along, that was the meanest, sweetest, meanest. Oh, you can be mean and sweet at the same time because she was bitter. Bitter at life, bitter at people, bitter at everything. So you couldn't do anything. You couldn't give her love because she couldn't receive love because she was bitter. You couldn't do anything that would fix it all because it, the, the root of it all was a bitterness and unforgiveness. And can I tell you something? Don't live your life like that. That's how he unbalances you. That's how he gets you unstable. If you'll just walk in forgiveness, it don't matter. Did you hear what they said about you? Oh, I love them. God bless them. And you keep going. And you, did you hear what they just said about you? Oh, praise God. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever and ever and ever. And then see, you don't get caught up. Oh, listen, I've got a sweet lady who's taught me this more than anybody else. There's a sweet lady in my life named, named Miss Annette Smith. And Miss Annette is one of the finest women I've ever known. And she's not a big-name preacher. You probably, you, you know, you probably don't even really know her. She is a teacher over at Christ for the Nations. They give her one little class or something here or there. But she's the most powerful woman I've ever known. She wakes up every day, she prays, she reads the Word of God. And nobody really knows, but let me tell you something. Anytime I was in the mess and all the winds were blowing and everything was attacking me and coming against me, I'd go sit with Miss Annette. And she'd say, Adam, I'll just be praying for you about this. The Lord will do it. And he would do it every time. We're probably in this building because she prayed. She would, she would pray every week. They would get together, her and a group of little ladies, and they pray, oh, God, bless Adam. He's an idiot. He don't know what he's doing. And he needs some help, oh, God. And, man, she would just seek the Lord. But I watched her as she began. They constantly, as constantly, demotion after demotion after cut away. Cut, and she never became embittered or frustrated because she understood God was her provider and that no one can take away what God could do. So she never let her heart get hard. She never, and she's the tender, sweet. And when God moves, I look over at her and she just give me the nod. That's God. Okay, good. Cause I didn't know if it was really the Lord. I would just look at her. Is that the Lord? She goes, that's the Lord. All right, let's go. And again, because, because why? Cause she's stable. And see, when you're a stable person, people need you. They look to you because you know why? Because there's so much instability in this world, especially for the fatherless generation. For those of us that the most stable relationships in our life are supposed to be mom and dad. And then some of you have been through divorce, so you know how that, how that really shook the, the psyche of your children. And so then what do they have to hold on to? What's stable then? Well, it's not, the, it's not the media. Can't trust them. Find out they're lying. Can't trust our government. That's being propagated. Can't trust them. You watch all the YouTube videos. They're all, you know, they're all secretly, you know, aliens are running them. You know, so you, so you get all of this. What's stable in life? I'll tell you what's stable. Jesus Christ and him crucified. I'll tell you what's else stable is when Christians trust in the Lord with all their heart. Lean not to their own understanding, but all their ways acknowledge him. And he directs their path. And we look at that person and say, you know what? That's the real deal. Can I tell you something? You may not get them all saved the first six, six months you work at that job. But if you'll stay faithful and stay stable, one day they'll come to you and say, you're the only real Christian I've ever met. I've had them do me that. I've had that happen tens of thousands of times. I'm like, I didn't do anything. I just went through life. Yep. But you never went backwards and you never fell down. You kept going no matter what was thrown at you. Friend, that's what I want to be. That's what you want to be. Let's look at the fourth thing that will cause you that you can develop, uh, how you can go about developing stability or how you can go about developing balance. And that is number four, and that is you need to trust someone. Trust someone. Look at this in Proverbs 4 and 10. This is the wise Solomon writing to his son. And look what he implores of him. He says, listen, my son, accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. How many of you want many years in your life? Just three of you. God bless you. May you have it. 
I want to die young, like the song says. You dumb. <laughs> Verse 11, I guide you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. So here's this older man, a father, trying to teach his son, listen to me, buddy. I know you're young and think you've got it all figured out. But if you'll just listen to me, if you'll just trust me, I'm telling you, I'll guide you through all of these things. Can I say something to all of us? Who do you trust? Who can say to you, hey, that's stupid, don't do that. Who can your wife pick up the phone and say, I think he's lost his mind. Can you, can you, can you take him to get wings or something? Who, who, who can say to you, hey, I'm not so sure that's the Lord. Who can do that for you? So you're sitting in that miracle because I have someone I trust. Ten years ago, when the prophet wrote down the prophecy, God woke him up, Sam Brassfield woke him up, gave him my name, and gave him three pages of prophecy and said in the prophecy, God says, start a church called Church on the Hill. He tracked me down through relational lines and brought me that prophecy. I didn't know him. He didn't know me. I looked at it and went, that ain't God. Because at that time, I was traveling, speaking in front of tens of thousands every weekend. I enjoy flying on an airplane, getting off, being picked up in a nice car, being brought to the hotel room with my little basket. Thank you, Pastor Al. I enjoyed standing up there, moving in the fuego and preaching and fire happening and people getting laid out and prophesying and getting them all healed. I love that. And then going, hey, Pastor, your problem now, I'm going home. I love, it was awesome. I enjoyed that. I wanted to keep doing it. I love writing, writing and, and having people just gobble up all the product at the product table and, and being able to midweek just have three days off with just my family and, and, and then go preach on the, I loved it. It was awesome. I loved running Christ for the nation. I didn't want to stop. And so when this guy said, God says, start a church called Church on the Hill in Cedar Hill. I'm like, no. Why would I do that? Why would I start working with people and their problems? Why? I'd just rather preach to them and go home. It'd be awesome. Why would I do that? And so I called my friend, my pastor, Rick Bezet. I said, listen, I got this prophecy from this guy. <laughs> I'd like you to fly in. I'm going to fly you in, put you in a hotel. I'd like you to look at it. And I, I'm pretty sure, you know, it's probably not the Lord, but I, you know, I just, you know, just want to be sure. And so we flew him and his wife in, put him up in a hotel downtown, met with him that night, sat in their, sat in their hotel room in the, in the little side area, and, and I read it off to him, and I looked at him. I just knew he was going to say, Adam, it could be the Lord, but it's definitely not the timing of the Lord. There's no way you can do that right now. God is using you all around the world. I mean, this thing is blowing up. I mean, I've got staff making product. I mean, we're partner list and all the stuff like the big ministries on TV do. We're there. And he looks at me and he goes, Adam, it's God. You're supposed to do it. I'm like, are you serious? But I trusted him. I trusted him to see what I couldn't see. And I said, okay, pastor. I don't know how we're going to do it, but we'll do it. And so we did. We started with a little small group in our living room. And now here we are. Because I trusted someone else. Who do you trust? you have anybody that you let in your life to speak into you? You say, that's why I'm so passionate about you meeting friends and going out to lunch with people and connecting and doing small group life together. Because you need some Christian friends who say, hey, I don't think you should cuss your wife like that, bro. I'm just saying. I don't think God likes that. I, th I think you need somebody to say, hey, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, when, you, when you tell your kid he's an idiot, that doesn't build him up. I mean, you probably don't want to do that. 
I, th- I think we need people that we trust like that. And in fact, that's a stabilizing factor because you need someone to lean on when all the wind and the waves are blowing. Sometimes you just need somebody to lean on a little bit that you can trust. We're talking about being stable. We're talking about having life that, that, that doesn't burn out, that doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't get stressed out because, because we're stable, that, that, that we don't have these moments in our life, I just, I just, I quit, I quit. We got to have some stability in our life and learn the balance of walking with the Lord in good times and bad times and horrific times and beautiful mountain times and terrible little down in the middle of nowhere valley times and amazing times with Jesus and in times we can't even find him where are you and have stability to keep being like Jesus every day, day in and day out. And friend, you don't get that at Bible school and you don't get that from a sermon and you don't get that from Sunday morning. You get that day in and day out reading your Bible. You get it day in and day out loving your Savior. You get it day in and day out forgiving your spouse who you just want to stab in the night. You get it day in and day out by you and I simply saying, oh God, here am I. Bring me a friend that every now and then will just be the word for me in that moment that I can trust. That's how you get stability. You don't get it because you watch more videos than everybody else or because I appreciate your degrees. That doesn't mean you're stable. Some of the most unstable people in the world are people with all these degrees and they can't, they got so many things rolling around in their head they can't even grasp truth anymore. And so I'll tell you something. Simple is good and stable is great. March 2011, the tsunami came upon the country of Japan. You don't know what a tsunami is? It's when, when there's a a shift in the plates of the earth underneath the ocean, and it causes a swell of water to surge, and giant waves begin to crash down on the shores of Japan. There's a little small town, a little small city, not too terribly small, a city called Rikuzintakata. You like me to say it in Asian? That's all I got. And when the city hit, was hit by the tsunami, immediately 1,700 lives were lost. Every child in that city lost a parent, at least one. The trees that had been there for hundreds of years, 70,000 of them were destroyed in one moment. As the water came rushing in, Grabbing a hold of these trees and sucking back out and rushing back in and sucking back out and ripping them from their roots. Trees that had been there, giant trees, giant oak trees, beautiful trees, all ripped. Buildings knocked down with only just a few left standing, just destroyed as they ran to higher ground. And as they came back into their city, there was one tree left on the coastline. Give them the picture of it. And there it is. It was a 79-foot, 250-year-old pine tree that was still standing. Every tree destroyed, but one tree standing there as a beacon of hope of what stability looks like. No matter what you bring against me, no matter what comes, I'll still be standing. No matter if everybody else around me falls and is sucked away, I'll still be standing. And you know why that 250-year-old pine tree was still standing at almost eight stories tall? Because its roots went so deep that there was nothing that could pull it out of the ground. There was no wave. There was no wind. There was no soil erosion. There was no ship bumping against it. It had roots so deep. No matter what came, it was going to still be standing. No matter how far 
where I've been, it was going to prop itself back up. And now, every night, as that city has been, be, been rebuilt, when darkness comes, they light up that tree as a beacon of what it means to still be standing when everything else around you falls. Listen to me. I appreciate passion. I appreciate repentance. But friend, at the end of the day, you need to learn to be stable in God. You need to walk it out day in and day out and let the roots go down deep and so that your kids can say, you know what, Listen, half the minister kids that I meet can't stand Jesus and don't like their parents because they've seen behind the veil. They've lived behind the veil. And they say, man, there's no root system there. There's nothing I can really depend upon. The sweetest, most stable people I've ever met, they don't end up on stage many times. They're the ones that are still serving God. When everyone else has said, ah, when the churches have split five and six and seven times, when everybody else is mad at God and become atheists or agnostic or what we call de-church, I love God but I hate the church. They're still the ones, stable. No, God's good. Let us not forsake the gathering of the brethren. Let us come together and worship in his name, no matter what we've been through. They're those voices. You think about the most stable Christian you've ever known. You think about how simple they are. Think about how sweet and kind they are. Think about they don't have bitterness and hatred in their heart. You think about how much they know the word. They may not be able to tell you chapter and verse, but they can tell you the story. There was one time when Elijah looked at Elisha. They can tell you things like, and you're like, you're right. That's the word of the Lord. You, can, you know that they've been with the Lord. They have this thing about them, this confidence, that they just know it's all going to work out because God's in control. You and I need to learn to become stable. And it's with that that I call you to be like the tree, the only one left on the shore. 70,000 others destroyed, pulled away, broken down, uprooted, and that one's still standing. That's who I want to be. That's who I want to be. I want to be 95 years young and still say, I tell you guys, y'all keep on praying now. Don't forget to be with the Lord. Hey, did you read your Bible today? Well, I couldn't see it. Someone read it to me, but it's good. I want to be, I want to be that guy who didn't quit, who didn't use the ministry for my own benefit. Come on, somebody. Who wasn't trying to build his own kingdom or trying to get everybody to like him. Just want to be like Jesus, day in and day out. Hit, hit by waves and still standing up. Knocked down and getting back up. And still loving Jesus no matter what comes my way and no matter how much bitterness he throws at me, no matter how many times he swings at me, no matter how many balls come flying my way, I'm going to get hit and keep walking, get hit and keep walking and serve the Lord all the days of my life. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is what I want for you. Stand with me all across the room. Stand with me quickly.